You're listening to Behind the Headlines, a weekly news talk show hosted by the Express News Group, publishers of the Southampton Press, the East Hampton Press, the Sag Harbor Express, 27East.com, and Express Magazine, and featuring distinguished journalists from the East End to discuss what's news on the North and South Forks of Long Island. I'm Bill Sutton. I'm the managing editor of the Express News Group. I'm joined by my co-host, who's beginning to be a regular co-host, um, Annette Hinkle, the arts and living editor of the Express News Group. Good morning, Annette. Morning. Uh-oh, I'm a regular. Uh-oh. <laughs> um, our panelists uh, this week include um, our, um, our reg- ever-faithful regular, Denise Savaletti, editor of Riverhead Local. Good morning, Denise. Good morning. And um, joining us, we've never had two Riverhead Local people on at once, but Alec Lewis, who is a staff writer for Riverhead Local. Good morning, Alec. Good morning. And Michael Mackey, the local host for Long Island Morning Edition, right here on WLIW-FM. Good morning, Michael. Good morning, everybody. Um, So let's start with um, Michael had, um, before we started taping, Michael had had asked a a question about a a story we wrote this week in in the Southampton Press, where we um, featured uh, Tom Gouldy, who's a, a Southampton resident and a Vietnam um war vet and um he had actually spoken at um at one of the ceremonies um on veterans day um and we were kind of uh taken by his story and um and so we did a nice uh feature on on him this week um you you know um you know mr Gouldy, uh michael correct yes i know tom Gouldy, and we're practically exact contemporaries, born about three days apart from each other. Tom was born and raised in Southampton and went off and uh, joined the Army in late 1970 and ultimately wound up in Vietnam, where he was a sentry working in the military police uh, battalions and and companies uh, 212, 981, and 595. He was in uh, Cameron and and, uh, Da Nang and he had a dog named Fritz that was his, uh, not only his uh, his uh, his companion, and his, uh, he became his best friend. And it's uh, quite a stirring uh, presentation he gave. I hope it's uh, saved in the Southampton Historical Museum for centuries because it really speaks to that moment and to today and the Vietnam veterans' experience uh, then and now. And Tom was in a situation at the end of, graduation and working here in Southampton where he was ambitious and and wanted to lift his life to a higher realm and decided that joining the army was the best way to do that. Of course, if you join the army in the uh, mid to late uh, 60s and very early 70s, you might wind up in a war zone. And that's what happened with Tom. And he gave a stirring speech at uh, Agawam Park on Veterans Day. And uh, consequently, the press newspaper group chose to to feature it on its front page, and uh, and appropriately so, because it speaks not only to, to the what was happening in our world and on Long Island and in Southampton back uh, over fifty years ago, but it was uh, it speaks to now. When Tom came back from uh, Vietnam, there was no celebratory parade. He wasn't uh, received in the same way that uh, the generation before had been when they returned from World War II. Tom didn't. It was, Tom described it in your in your paper as indifferent. He moved on with his his life very well. He was in a situation in Vietnam where he he wasn't traumatized. He was near. I mean, people that he he worked with. He found out that died after he left. But he speaks to the moment when when I was I was not a, a military veteran. I did not go to Vietnam. I was one of the people who was here on Long Island receiving the vets when they returned. And uh, there were some who came back and they weren't the same person they were before in a negative way. Some came back and they were, you could see they, that they had grown. Tom said he lost his innocence. and mm-hmm. um, But he's not, he doesn't live in a state of trauma. He's very productive and a, a, a vital part of our community today. And I thought it was just terrific how you covered it in the newspapers. and but. Uh, we, we're, we're trying to be much more conscientious as a society in the past 20 or 30 years to recognize the uh, the veterans' plight and to be supportive of them. But when Tom was uh, off in war, I was in college and on virtually every other 
a, a wall in a, in a dorm room. You'd see, well, what if they held a war and nobody showed up? Mm. So it was a little awkward when the when the, the soldiers returned. I wasn't around anybody that 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 yelled at them or, or ridiculed them in any way. We were curious and we wondered what the experience was like, and and so it was. Uh, I'm glad we've we've moved on. I wish we didn't have to send these uh, soldiers to these various wars, but there are great challenges out there, and I don't know how we uh, get totally pacifist and get through it either. So I thought that it was it was a great story, and that Tom was on the front page speaks to our uh, our community and uh, where we uh, where we were then and where we are now, and it's. Uh, we, we move forward. But uh, I, as a member of this community and a contemporary of Tom's, I thank you for doing so. I think it, it speaks sure. to uh, a very special experience here in the United States. And let's just be really, really careful before we send our, our men out to war and make sure it's the right war for the right reason, ethically, morally, legally. You had you had asked why we um, you know, why we why we wrote the story, yes. and why we why we featured it. And um, I, I think he had a very powerful story. And, you know, typically, um, and, and we did this last week, we write, you know, features about veterans to be in in the issue prior to 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 Veterans Day. And we call that our Veterans Day issue and 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 all that. But we had um, our, our photographer, Dana Shaw, had had gone to um, to the ceremony and and had heard um, heard him speak and and came back and and described the powerful story and so um we kind of changed up a little bit and we we tracked him down and and wrote about it the 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 week after um it was a stirring speech that that was a that alone was reason enough to follow up on it this was 50 years in, in the making and uh, he prepared for it uh, accordingly and his delivery was was uh, passionate and emotional, and uh, well, it, you can you can find it by the way on on YouTube, the uh, Veterans Day twenty twenty three Agawam well, Park in Southampton. I, I would encourage everybody to do that, um, and I think I mean you mentioned that that um, he felt that that when he came back he was met with indifference, and I imagine he was being a little polite with that. I, I think there was some a lot of negative reactions when. When people came back from from Vietnam, and and um, he noted that that he rarely rarely talked about his experiences um, for for fifty one years, um, but is, is was finally now ready this year to, um, to 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 talk about that, and and so we we applaud him for um, um, for sharing his experience in, in in such a stirring way. I think. You know, we had we had talked a little bit last week about Veterans Day and veterans stuff, and um, I, I I hope that that we're not as a as a as a country ignoring um, the veterans who who came back from um, Iraq and, and Afghanistan and, and that long twenty year year war. Um, and, and I think we had mentioned last week that you know there was no beginning or end to that to to those wars. Um, where you could celebrate, you know, people coming back as as was, you know, in in World War One and World War Two, there were very distinct endings and victories to the war. And when the soldiers came back, they were heralded and, and separated. And I think that changed, um, you know, during during the v Vietnam era because so many people were opposed to the war, and and then Iraq and Afghanistan were so stretched out that that you you know people just came filtering back and. Um, and I'm not sure that that they're all um, recognized, um, you know, the the same way as as earlier veterans. And and I hope we're not uh, we're not ignoring them. It's a great the challenge. For also, society. you've got you've got um, a lot of the the Iraq and uh, Afghanistan veterans came back so wounded, you know, like injuries that would have killed um, soldiers in an earlier era. They were surviving, so you have a whole other issue with rehabilitating veterans who return either with PTSD or very bad um, physical injuries that would not have been an issue, you know, decades earlier when you just would not have survived a lot of those wounds. So I think that's the other thing. It's sort of moved into a different realm of um, of caring for veterans, um, which we're still dealing with. You know, you still see a lot of veterans trying to find, um, you know, mental health support and and go through the VA to get 
the services they need, not always successfully. So hopefully that's where efforts are being put now, you know? Yeah. And, and as Michael said, hopefully we're, um, um, we're not going to be sending, um, sending our people over to, uh, to any more wars and, and, you know, in, in the near future anyway, but we certainly, you know, um, think about all the people in, 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 uh, in, in, in Israel and Gaza and, and still in, in the Ukraine, you know, fighting, um, um, fighting those battles and, and, you know, being killed and, and injured and, and all that. It's a, it's a, it's a, a sad state right now, I think. Yep. We better, th- we better think it through before we send uh, military uh, personnel and equipment out. But unfortunately, it appears that the human condition is such that we, we better make sure that we have a powerful and uh, ready military force, just the way it's the way of the world and, and human nature. And I hope someday we get to a John Lennon song. I don't. I mean, we're already sending all kinds of military equipment to, and you know, weaponry and planes and things to um, Ukraine, and um, taking actions in the Middle East. I mean, we've actually had like you know air attacks. <clears throat> excuse me, air attacks in in Syria and stuff. I mean, when it's not exactly like we're watching it from a distance and you know just wishing it goes away. I think that we are in a different way participating, but I think that the United States is actively on different levels participating in the conflicts that are going ongoing today. Um, and I'm, I gotta say, I'm less optimistic that we're not going to be more, you know, fully drawn into those conflicts. Um, you know, I, the, the folks that are coming back from the Middle East over the period of the last, you know, since, September 11th really was when that got cranked up. Um, you know, they're they're kind of in their own class of veteran. I mean, like they're they're not even they're not joining the um, the veterans organizations in the same way that the other veterans have. Uh, they will tell you that they you know they're sort of distressed by the fact that they can't get these younger people involved. Um, that may be just a reflection of how. The younger generation. I mean, that's not that's not limited. That's not an experience limited to veterans organizations. Other organizations in the community are experiencing the same kinds of things because it's everybody relates differently today. That like the younger people, Alec can probably speak to that. But um, you know, they're having they're they're having kind of like a membership crisis in a, mm-hmm. in a sense that in these organizations. Um, I don't remember if we spoke about the veterans profile that I did last week. Uh, everything is always just a blur from week to week. I don't know if it's, we, there's too much going on or it's just my brain, but. Um, we we did know. a little bit of a fantastic story uh, 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 about a, a veteran who um, found the family of, of somebody that he uh, lost um yeah, they, he was. I mean, he came had two very close calls. This Riverhead veteran, former VFW post commander here. Um, the first one was his best friend um, stepped on a booby trap, a mine, and um, was killed, and he was injured. Um, and then a month later, he was back in the field, and he and another um, American soldier went out on a training mission, I think, with two South Vietnamese. And um, the other, the other American soldier was killed, and he he survived. Then he got very very gravely ill with pneumonia, and ended up in a hospital in Japan, and ended up coming, coming being not discharged, but coming back to the states. Um, but he's never really spoken about it at all. In fact, I got a very nice thank you note from his wife yesterday, and said, you know. Telling your telling Joe's story has been amazing. Our children and grandchildren were so amazed. He never talked to them about Vietnam, she said. And and that's how that I mean that he this man, and I don't think it's unusual, but never even spoke to his own family about it. Um, I know other Vietnam Vietnam war era and Vietnam people that sought action there uh, who uh, same thing was always said. They 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 didn't talk about it. It was an immensely unpopular war. 
for a lot of good reasons. Let's, I, I believe, I mean, you know, um, and, you know, the American public was repeatedly lied to by the administration during that, during that era. Um, the Johnson administration, particularly, and then the Nixon administration after that. Um, and well, well was it that similar to the war in Iraq? I mean, you could argue that was an unnecessary, well, arrogant, ignorant invasion. Mm-hmm. And so, how do you speak to the people who are there bravely fighting yeah, for a country uh, well, about a cause that you don't believe in? It's it's all you, you, you know. I feel like I feel very strongly that you don't take it out on them. Like, right. and that seems to be what happened. I mean, That's what we have, yeah. the the man that I interviewed, his, well, his wife actually, he didn't even say this, but you know, she was there to welcome him at the airport, and she said that someone spit at him, and mm-hmm. so, you know, like things like that. You hear stories like that all the time, and it's shameful. I mean, but it was a very, very tense and tumultuous time, as you, you know, Michael. I know you recall. I re- I remember yeah. that too. Um, yeah. So. I don't know, but just seems like war breed, always seems to breed more war. And, yeah. you know, what's going on today? And, you know, I'm sure you all struggle with this, too. But like, you know, how, you know, how, it seems like if you if you're in favor of a ceasefire that automatic, automatically paints you as anti-Israel. Right. Or, you know, or anti, even anti-Semitic. And um, I feel like there's. You know, it's not black and white. It's not either or like that to me. I don't think. I mean, what what's happening there today? There, there are a lot of <laughs> a lot of innocent people living <sighs> living living in Gaza, and nobody wants to be living under the the, the shadow of of war and and, and atrocities. And um, um, there, there's got to be some kind of uh, some kind of end to it. And, you know, I just how many times have we seen kind of the same sort of thing in the Middle East region over the last, you know, say, 50 years or more and doesn't seem to ever solve anything. Right. I mean, no, but but that that being said, I mean, you you can't let let the 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 attack, um, you know, go unanswered. And it was, of course, it was a horrible and horrific attack. And. And and um, and there's still you know still hostages, which which is is um, uh, obscene. You know that that they took these hostages and are holding these hostages. So I, I don't know what the answer is, D- Denise. Either I mean there has to be a, a a response to that, and you know, and you have to make sure that that doesn't happen again. And and I don't know um, any any other way other than than fighting fighting back to you know to do that. So. Um, I don't know. Yeah, I I don't. You know, it's it's just the whole thing is just you know a horrific thing all the way around, and yeah. um, can just um, I don't know what even to we. There's nothing we can do really. I don't mm-hmm. think, but pray. I don't know. Uh, pray, pray, and and uh, you know, uh, Michael mentioned the the John Lennon song and. Mm-hmm. Imagine, Imagine. it's a a sentiment Mm -hmm. that we can all hope for, I guess. Um, You're listening to Behind the Headlines on WLIW-FM. I'm Bill Sutton from the Express News Group, joined by my co-host Annette Hinkle from the Express News Group. Guests this week are Denise Civiletti and Alec Lewis from Riverhead Local and Michael Mackey from right here on wliw FM, um, Michael. So, um, so once again, the the idea of congressional districts in in New York is is being um, argued in in a courtroom in Buffalo, Buffalo, New York. The the Democrats want to come in and and redraw the lines again, and they were they were kind of they were rejected, um, you know, for for the last election. Um, um, what's uh what's what's the the latest with that well right now as it stands it's being deliberated the new york state court of appeals held oral arguments in buffalo as you said earlier this week and it appears from the outside looking in that it's a 3-3 stalemate with the one uh, person who wasn't involved in the last decision making being the the swing vote i i suppose we're, we're supposed to get an answer in about a in about a month, they can't take too long to render a decision because 
we're less than a year away from next year's congressional elections. So that's a significant decision because if the Democratic-controlled uh, New York State Legislature can go ahead and render the districts as they see fit, the districts will be far different than what they were in 2022. And the the argument from the Democrats essentially is, why can't the New York State Legislature uh, create congressional districts in the same manner that almost every other state in the country is doing? Why is why is gerrymandering not allowed in New York State, but it appears to be allowed in virtually other and every other state? It's not fair, and it doesn't create uh, an even chance. In New York, the uh, the four congressional districts on Long Island that went Republican were just about the difference in, in the U.S. House of Representatives. So what's happening here in New York will get uh, much attention from the rest of the country because it'll swing. It, it potentially will swing the U.S. House of Representatives, Democrat or Republican, depending on the structuring of the districts. So well, we put uh, it in our constitution, cool. right? That yeah. we wanted this to be an independent process and then sort yeah. of evolved into, I mean, it was always going to be political, right? Because you'd have people pointed on both sides. Right. Um, well, you're right. You know, the spirit of maps. the law, the spirit of the law was that should be an independent redistricting uh, process, but there had to ultimately be agreement, and there was never enough. There wasn't enough. There agreement, was no so the agreement. Democrat, no. <laughs> so the Democrats said, "We'll just go ahead and then uh, render it as we see fit." And then it was they were sued, and the and there was a there were new districts made. So anyway, we're moving forward. We're waiting for that for that decision. The districts may wind up remaining the same. They may be changed, but but it's it's a. It's certainly a story that behind the headlines we're we're watching, right? It's it's affects all of us. We talked earlier before we went on the air. We're talking about Congressman Nick Lalota. If his district, his first congressional district, is is altered, is uh, that will uh, affect his chances of being reelected uh, uh, significantly? It also will affect which uh, candidate the Democrats choose to run. Also, we were talking before about Representative Santos. Santos got into office. Because his district was altered after uh, after the Republicans had already given it up for lost and just allowed this guy Santos to to be their representative, so it's all very important. Political. We talk about politics like it's the NFL or Major League Baseball, but it affects our lives. Once these guys are in office, they have great influence. Whether you're My, a congressman Michael, or senator, I'm going to push back a little bit on you because I think I mean. In my opinion, when I was reporting on this back when it was all occurring, the Independent Redistrict Commission, and then, of course, the subsequent, um, you know, lines drawn by the governor, that got struck down. The special master came in. Like the districts that um, the special master drew and that were eventually adopted, they were pretty competitive, and I think that's what they were going for when when the special master drew the districts, and. Um, I mean, the district that they drew was pretty strong for for Biden. Like it, it was a narrow um, majority of people who had voted for Joe Biden for president in in 2020. In which and district? This is New York one. Yeah, our yeah. district and, in the East End. Yes. Yeah, our district. Mm -hmm. And yeah, so and so, like, it, I mean. It, Look, Alec, about... I agree. I agree with you, Alec. I'm not saying they were they were unfair, yeah. but they were they were they were competitive. And in a perfect world, all the, the congressional districts across the country would be fair and and competitive and relatively geographical. And mm -hmm. the the argument against that is, well, why should New York be fair when every everywhere else is not? That's the story. Well, how That's I personally point. feel yeah. about it. One one of the other isn't isn't the point. But it what it does lead so the next question that all this leads into is if the districts were fair and competitive, why were the Democrats beaten so <laughs> so so badly? But then and that's the the next story that is it because of and apparently it's because the consciousness in the the, the tri-state area and the, on on Long Island in particular 
is 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 crime and the the, the threat of of criminals and they're not being taken uh, and that that issue is not being addressed well enough and it's an argument and you can even cite statistics saying crime is being lowered but it's all about perception when voters go into the booth what do they perceive the situation to be and the clean slate act now is going to um bring that into further uh, prominence cashless bail clean slate act you know they, anybody that reads the new york post every day or watches uh, fox news uh, 5 is going to think we're we're living in, in mayhem and we better and it's all the democrats fault and don't so forget it, the migrant crisis and well, the, that, you know the, right. the ongoing immigration issue i mean and and by the way, what also happens is that even though it's a local election, if you don't have that, you you often vote. Uh, voters often vote locally based on what they perceive happening in the nation. Mm -hmm. And uh, and and by the way, if your perception is that the Democrats don't believe that the uh, the nation of Israel has a, a right to exist as a sovereign Jewish state. And you do, you may vote Republican, even though you're Democrat. It's there's a lot of issues here that make Long Island a a, a burning pot, whether the districts are vote competitive or not. Well, well, I mean, well look we at just... what happened in. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead, Alex. That's fine. I was going to say, look at what happened in Riverhead, where um, you know we have this executive order that was imposed, trying to you know targeting. Um, migrants that may or may, you know were or were not coming into the town i mean there wasn't you know ample evidence to say that there were co coming being bussed by the new york city mayor to riverhead there wasn't any evidence yes there wasn't any evidence but alex's point is what was the response of the community and the politicians when they well, supposedly heard that it was happening yeah i mean they, yeah that whole thing galvanize i think galvanize republican support i mean there's people i know that said you know when i asked them oh what's the biggest issue of you know this election they say oh it's the migrant thing right and i as somebody who reports locally i'm like wow that really isn't like the big issue but it gets so much press from you know nationally and mm -hmm. and regionally even that that's um, that's something that you can go out to the polls and say, well, I'd want to vote Republican because I don't want migrants coming into my community. Yeah. yeah Anything it, that has it, to do with, with crime. It, well, it's, uh, well, it's not, it's not like though, that, that there was a, a, a strong democratic challenge to, to, you know, <laughs> to the, to the Republican stronghold in, in, in Riverhead. And, you know, I, I, I think that, with with the exception of of you know the South Fork, Southampton and, and East Hampton, we saw in local elections, you know, last week that that there's a very strong Republican base on 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 Long Island and on eastern Long Island. And and you know, and I think Michael's right. Some a lot of that just has to do with um what what people are hearing about crime and, and migrate migrants and and watching Fox News and you know and 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 all that, and you can't discount, uh, you know, you can't discount those voters either. Nicola Loda, you know, he he got elected. He did he did play the the crime card, but um, you know, the majority of his district in in you know in Brookhaven and Points West, um, uh, you know, is 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 very very Republican. And you know, we we forget that when we see Democrats winning elections in in Southampton and. And East Hampton, but um, you know Long Island is 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 very red. Mm -hmm. There's a oh. story you reported in the Southampton Press the other day, Bill, about a woman who uh, tried to burn three houses down, then was uh, was let go, and then the next day tried to uh, uh, violently. Uh, rob a store i right. think she was just looking to get locked up and because she's a she's a woman who's in some some distress i suspect and it would have just been a little small story in the in the crime section of the paper 10 years ago but as soon as da uh, ray tierney heard about it he blew it up it's in the new york post i'm surprised it's a, it might have even made national news it and was. once again it, it's, it's so so here you go this this but, story that that not that long ago would have just been another little crime report well, is a big story. Well, well, and look, and I'm going to be devil's advocate here too, Michael, is, 
is is this this woman tried to burn down three houses and um and was and was let go without bail and right i would be very know, upset if and, i was and, one and of the because house. because yes. because the judge had no no discretion there um because of of bail reform and 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 had to let her out and i think you're right i think she wanted to be locked up i, I think she wanted you know uh, it, it was a cry for help and and the judge wasn't wasn't able to do that so i'm i i've been the biggest you know supporter of of bail reform um on 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 this show and 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 vocally in 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 my life but but i've i've come to believe that there should be some discretion um allowed on on the part of of the judges it it can't be necessarily um i was going to say black and white but i i think that's you know a bad term to use here because we know that you know that that bail reform um you know was was enacted is as a measure to to kind of even the playing field um so uh, you know i i think that um that that in that case that's why it got blown up is is because that um you know there was no discretion there and i i would say arson's a violent you know crime and and maybe there should have been a little more discretion there i don't know allowed I think that um, overall, um, the Republican Party is, at least in Suffolk County, um, much savvier about um, recognizing and um, taking advantage of political, politically, I don't know, hot top, political hot topics. Mm. You know, I, I feel like the minute that um, you know, so-called bail reform law was adopted and signed into law. You know, the Republicans who opposed it knew they had a really, a really like good um, air quotes, you know, political, political powerful football there, and, and they used it. And you know, I mean, it's the same kind of thing with you know um, migrants and immigration reform. Um, you know. Yeah. Um, transgender bathrooms and stuff like I mean, there's like a lot of different pop button issues that it's like, a you know, they're they're very savvy about, you know, jumping on and taking cues from, you know, national politics and and national media and such. And and so, you know, there's the it, Trump factor that's, I think, it, you know, overshadowing or not overshadowing, but they, like they, underneath they, all of this. They, they know how to draw on people's emotions yeah. and, and fears. And and the Democrats are like deer in the headlight. Well, yeah. I also think that the Republicans draw on the way that Long Sorry. Island was settled in the first place, which was fear of the city, you know, way, way back when. That's yes. why Long Island was born, was as uh, racism oh. and fear of poverty and people of different colors and different religions. So it's sort of like, you know, we're a few generations removed, but I feel like the sentiment on Long Island kind of remains about, oh, the city's a scary place. Ooh, there's people that, you know, have different colored skin and, you know, you better not go into the city because you're going to get, you know, robbed or hurt or so I think that it's a very easy dog whistle to get people riled up. Absolutely. And you you hear you hear about communities just to our west encroaching, you know, upon upon the east end. And and I think that um that that's used well too. It's it's a, a sword that they wield. You're right. Long Island mm-hmm. was designed to be an escape from the uh, from the city for what for whatever that means. And if you're supposed to be feeling safe out here, and I grew up in Western Suffolk in the suburbs, and I don't even remember locking our doors. And for the longest time living out here, I felt the same way. In fact, when I had west, I crossed the Shinnecock Canal. I have to smack myself upside the head and remind myself I'm leaving where we uh, where we we live out here but it, it's uh it's all about perception isn't it if you're if, yeah. if your perception if you've been led to believe that you live in an area that's crime-ridden because of the the political party that's in in power you're going to vote the other way mm-hmm. and it's uh, or if the other party gets is allowed to get in all these other terrible things are going to happen perception really, is reality yeah when it comes to voting isn't it it comes to a lot of things. <laughs> so, so speaking of reality or, or the lack of it, um, 
uh, George, as as Michael mentioned, uh, George Santos is is making the news. Alec, I know you've been following that. What's what's the latest? They they released the report, um, the, the ethics report the other day, right? Yeah, they found um, a lot of interesting things about how George Santos used his campaign money um, <laughs> on a lot of different things, including. Questionable websites, clubs, <laughs> websites, casinos. Uh, I love the Botox know. treatment. I like the, the I like Botox. Botox. Yeah. Well, didn't he the day after he was elected celebrate in the Hamptons with campaign money? So, so we're a part of this too, aren't we? <laughs> Can I just mention the New York, the Washington Post just posted about half an hour ago that during the House's brief pro forma session Friday morning. Representative Representative Michael Guest of Mississippi, he's a Republican, the chair of the Ethics Committee, filed a motion to expel mm-hmm. Santos. The House can consider the motion after its return from its Thanksgiving holiday break on November 28th. So they're going to mull it over while they're having turkey. And I guess we'll find out. <laughs> I mean, I, I mean there, there, there's been calls for, his, calls for his removal for a while. And, and even our own um, Congressman is, Nick Lulota has, has called for his removal, but um, now it's official. So <laughs> can I just well, say, I, I mean, this may not be popular. Well, no, that's not true. But like I, George Santos, the, as a Congress, as a member of Congress, I feel like would not have existed, wouldn't exist. Like he's he wouldn't be in Congress had the had the press done its job like they were blindsided by this. Alec and I were at a conference in um, January with the investigative reporters and editors conference. And they had a session with two reporters at the New York Times who they like were sort of held out as the people that finally broke this story kind of after it was too late. Although they hadn't, a little newspaper in Nassau right. County had right. written about it and editorialized about Santos and what he was. They sort of raised. Did. They sort of like rang the alarm bells saying, you know, this yeah. guy's weird and yeah. maybe we should look right. into him more. But they didn't have the resource to do it. And then these well, two they knew he was kind of what he was because they were they were this was actually kind of like a Republican newspaper. And they had like dealings with him and stuff. This, this little newspaper, the name escapes me. I'm sorry. But like nobody really paid attention because, as you were saying, Michael, of this redistricting thing, people did not think that was a competitive or could possibly be a competitive district. And by the time it they realized it could be, it was too late. He was already the nominee and he was already going forward. And, you know, it just let's also like point out there. the Democratic committee. I mean, the Democratic Party of Nassau, why weren't they doing opposition yeah. research on this guy? That's their job, too. Yeah. You know, it's not just on the press. It's like, hello. No. I mean, you know, there's one thing you need to do is to get your guy in. So you need to sort of look and see what the <laughs> other guys got. You know, I think, as Michael it. said, everybody like wrote off this district, like they, you know, for one yeah, reason or another, like win. the Democrats thought they were like. And then, well, the it used things, to be, the it used to be changed. Right, it used to be Swazi's district, right, yeah. and then and, it, yeah. and they, they kind of had it on lock, and then Swazi stepped out of that to run like the the primary for governor, and then right. lost like pretty handily, and then. Um, they sort of had a, another candidate come in and they didn't have like that incumbent advantage. I mean, Swazi was there for a while, right? So he was, uh, but it, the, but the district got reconfigured. Had it stayed the way it was before yeah. Zimmerman who ran for the, for the office would have won. Zimmerman's a very dynamic uh, guy. If you've ever met him, he's a, he's a, he was a good candidate, but, but there, uh, there were amidst a, a sweep of, Republicans uh, victories. I don't I don't know any Democrat that could have could have won up to that point without having done due diligence. If they had done due diligence on on Santos, you'd like to think (laughs) Santos would not have won. You'd like to think. But why has he been in office this long? Because his vote is cherished by a a fair number of uh, people in the Republican Party. I mean, very narrow edge. Sorry. I should say cherished, valued. (laughs) Cherished is too strong a word. The Republicans on Long Island, the the Republican conference on Long Island has been very vocally against Santos. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it's mostly Republicans and they've tried, I think, a few times to to kick him out. And that vote failed a little while ago. But now that this ethics report came out, um, maybe there'll be a little bit more weight behind, um, you know, the effort to expel him 
I mean, this is just like I, I don't it, know every... I mean, the 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 majority is 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 so close um that 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 even maybe a bad apple you know maybe they're afraid to get rid of a bad apple because you know it it, it makes it you know more difficult for them to to hold the majority yeah. and i've read a summary of this ethics report and is there anything in there that we sort of didn't already know i mean they know that there's 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 that 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 click of of republicans that that he's told him, look, I'll I'll give you my vote whenever you need it. And I, so I'd be surprised they, if he's voted out before the election itself. But if they do get rid of him, how do they refill that seat? Yeah. Like in the meantime, do we know? Well, I think you have to have a special election. The governor just appoints somebody to fill it. Until oh, the end. Well, if, if the governor just appoints somebody, they're definitely right. not going to. Yeah, that, so they're definitely not. I, not I think that, that might be what happens, actually. And then for at least until the next election. I mean, yeah, they, no. they, well, that happens for the Senate. I'm not sure about the House, but yeah. no, I th I think they'd have to have another election. Otherwise, they wouldn't, right. even, other, otherwise they wouldn't even consider it. The, 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 everyone yeah. would just be quiet about it. Yeah. So maybe it's just an empty seat until the next election. Maybe. I mean, maybe. yeah. They try to it's kind of an empty him, seat like, right, now, but <laughs> right after he got indicted, I think they tried to expel them, him. And like, if you're gonna, you know, fail a vote to expel him. After he's been indicted on all these criminal charges related to, um, you know, uh, you know, frauding his donors and falsifying his campaign filings and all these different things, like, do you think that this ethics report is going to make much of a difference? Nah, I don't know no, about we, that. We, we, we do don't. I. I we don't mind. No. We don't mind that presidents and presidential candidates are indicted. So why would we care about a congressman? Yeah. Well, let's just be fair. Write so that, like Menendez is also indicted. What's been happening on that side? You know, the yes. Jersey mm -hmm. senator. Right. He still. Yeah. Well, sometimes I think we forget. Why don't these people resign? It's a job. They make you know two hundred right. grand a year or something. They, they health benefits and so forth. Yeah. You don't. You, most of them are not. Uh, in, they're not billionaires. They're this this extra money that they get, the coverage, the medical coverage, and so forth. The benefits that come with the position are such that you don't give it up unless you absolutely, well, unless they drag you out. I'd right. love to have their health care plan. That's and, and they can't continue plundering the public uh, till yeah. too while they're yeah, there, exactly. just like yeah, uh, yeah. yeah mm -hmm. The health insurance would be good, right? It's yeah. also about power. You know, the longer you're in office, the more power that you gain for either speaking tours or, you know, I don't know, suddenly it, it <laughs> used to be that I think that running for office was sort of like a sacrifice. You gave up your lucrative business to serve the public. But now it's like right. a, a means to an end to become more powerful. Well, and, and with Santos, I mean, we know that he just likes likes the attention and he likes the 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 fame and, and even negative attention, I think, probably feeds that. Uh, Feeds that ego. Well, if it wasn't, a, if, if the story wasn't real, if he wasn't actually a real, be like Veep. It would be funny, actually, because he's, he's <laughs> such an inveterate liar, and the things he lied about. Uh, 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 so whoa, you know. And I find I have to stop myself from from laughing because it is serious. He makes it. He has a vote that's very significant mm -hmm. and can help shape our our society and our on our nation's path. But it does sound like he won't be in office uh, as of uh, January first, two thousand twenty-five. So I, I right. suspect the Republicans will just let it. Just you know, hope it goes away fast and just move and move around them. Right. Well, I mean, I mean we'll see what at, happens. We'll see what happens after after Thanksgiving. But I wouldn't count our turkeys um, <laughs> just yet. You're, you're listening to Behind the Headlines on WLIWFM. I'm Bill Sutton from the Express News Group. My co-host is Annette Hinkle from the Express News Group. We're joined this week by Denise Civiletti and Alec Lewis from Riverhead Local and Michael Mackey from right here on WLIW-FM. So um, it, back to uh, back to Riverhead, Denise and Alec. So the, so the town board had been expected to um, pass moratoriums on industrial development in Calverton and a battery energy storage systems moratorium um this week but um but they put it put it off i i guess citing the um the suffolk county planning commission decision that they weren't ready to uh to pass it do we think that's a do you think that's what happened or or there's just not enough support on the board yet 
Either Take one. it, Alec. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah, he's written well, a lot about this. I think I think there's one thing. I think there is support on the board for both moratoriums. I I know that one councilman was sort of who who had sort of flip flopped about this and allowed the industrial moratorium to go forward. Um, says I talked to him. He says he's still in support of, in support of the industrial moratorium. Um, I mean, these moratoriums were, um, you know, put out by Councilman Tim Hubbard, who's now the supervisor-elect in his campaign as, you know, really important things that he wants to do while he's in office. And to move um, these moratoriums forward is is a big priority. But um, the other week, the town board, you know, had a chance to pass the moratoriums. They you know, had five people there. They had three people that said they were game for these moratoriums. And they said, well, we have to do some changes to our um, resolution because of the Planning Commission's recommendations. And then sort of um, aside from that, the, the town attorney, uh, uh, well, first off, Tim, Tim Hubbard said, well, we had to make some changes to the resolution. So, okay. After that, the town attorney, Eric Howard, said, oh, well, they didn't make the um, the cut for the resolution packet for the agenda. The so, deadline. Yeah, but, the, but deadline. the planning commission had only kind of rejected the um, the the Calverton moratorium, right? And <laughs> yes. not, not the best moratorium. Yeah. So well, that should have been the, ready to go. They and said, they said they, it, would, it would be good for three months instead of six months. They endorsed that. And they said, do three months and then come back. So hmm. that was basically the change they had to make. Right. I mean, Alec, am I right? Didn't they seem I mean, when you first spoke to them, you got um, an explanation. I forget who you talked to that didn't quite make a lot of sense. They said they had to go back to the planning commission to. There, um, I, somebody in the community had told us that okay. they had to go back to the planning commission, but um, that that's not the that's case. Not true, yeah. I talked to the town attorney, the deputy town attorney was um handling this and was at the planning commission meeting and she said that they could you know go go forward with the yeah. resolutions um as is but you know it, i mean that begs the question i mean the planning commission rejected the six-month moratorium for industrial development and authorized a three-month moratorium for industrial development um they're not too keen on moratoriums in general um but uh and they approved the town's three-month moratorium on battery energy storage systems, which was in response to this um, safety group that Governor Hochul put together to look at battery energy storage systems um, across the state after some fires that happened over the summer, um, which begs the question, why didn't they vote on the battery energy storage system mm. moratorium? Because they got that authorized. And Councilman Tim Hubbard said, oh, well, because the moratoriums were were introduced together and they should vote on them together which i i don't know about that i don't, I, I don't want to be suspicious of the riverhead town board but that sounds a little, <laughs> a little funny to me i mean i think yeah, we're I'm all suspicious sure. of the riverhead town board well this, <laughs> a is, little this bit. has been a hot button issue locally here because you know this Both is are. that I mean, yeah, and the Calverton Civic Association, looking at all of the industrially zoned land in Calverton and the potential for so much like logistics center of development, of which there are already a couple of proposals kicking around, right? One of them is pretty, you know, I think pretty far along, I don't know, but, um, well, two of them, one already got approval, right? That HK Ventures got it. Well, HK Ventures, there. yeah, which is yeah. like an, an industrial park um, more than you know, 400,000 square feet on Middle Country Road near where tractor supply is got, you know, it's final site plan, I believe final site plan approval. Final, okay. Recently. And then the, and then the um, North Point Riverhead Industrial 641,000 square foot logistics center on Middle Road um, is apparently moving along. I mean, we're waiting to see the DEIS on that, but they, you know, they're in the process, in the pipeline. As, they like to say, yeah. Um, and and but the Calverton asked for this moratorium. How long ago? Like it's going on two years now. I think maybe three. 
And yeah, like early 2021. Just, do you, the do you think, just ignored it, basically. Um, do, you, do you think Hubbard's just going to push this off until he takes office as supervisor and and then can push it through? Or, or do you think they'll, I know they're scheduled to look at it again next week, right? Well, that's what they that, say. But was that in the packet? I don't um, that, no, I no, don't think it like was. They, they released the agenda packet for two. They, 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 we were told that it was going to be voted on the twenty first, or at least that's what they were saying. But it's not in the packet for next week's meeting again. Um, so I, we're not sure what's going on there. But um, maybe one of the other two people is faltering in their support. I'm, I'm not yeah. sure. I mean, it's politically unpopular, and among Republican elected officials anyway um and i i think you know they've they've got what they see to be you know perceived to be kind of like a mandate in their sweep for the third time in a row of the riverhead town election so you know i guess at, they, they're in the catbird seat on this i don't know but at the same time you had these candidates um for the republicans who won you know along with tim hubbard Let's say and they're they for a moratorium and they're yeah. against, you know, these the giant warehouses and, and what have you. So, um, I mean, I uh, think there's a bit of a contradiction uh, there. It's always an odd time between an election and, and when um, uh, when people take office. And, and I think sometimes you see a slowdown on, on on stuff. Maybe that's what's happening here. Maybe they'll they'll pass it this week. Alec, we've, the we've incoming got, we, supervisor has more support on the board sorry bill you know come january 1st that may be a, a strategic uh, right you know thing to do alex so we, we've got like a minute and a half left and and i know that uh you're going to be busy this weekend with the uh riverhead Fac faculty and community theater um tell us what's going on with that so we are going to be putting on um miracle on 34th street uh a live musical radio play it's going to be at Riverhead High School in the auditorium. Um, I guess by the time it's air, this airs, it'll be Saturday. So right. you'll be able to catch the Saturday performance at 7.30 um, at the high school. And then we have a matinee on Sunday at 2 p.m. It's an adaptation of, of course, the classic Christmas movie set in between Christmas and Thanksgiving about Santa Claus, uh, the Macy Santa Claus um, on trial or lunacy because he believes he's the real santa claus and of course and, you know and who are you absolutely... playing Alan? and he is he is of course he <laughs> and, is and well you got to believe you know um it's all about believing and, <laughs> and so is this Christmas play written spirit. by is this play written by joe landry by any chance Do you know them um, right this Just is no, it's not a Joe Landry. Because he's a he's a big radio play guy in Connecticut. And there's always on the South Park, we often have a lot of Joe Landry radio plays. So just thought. Yeah, no, it's it's not a Joe Landry, but um it's uh it's a nice adaptation of of like um the Lux broadcast back in like 1947 that came out right after the, the film. And uh it's gonna be a good time. I'm playing the uh the lawyer character from the movie. Ooh. Uh Fred Gailey. Ooh. So that's pretty fun. I can use fun. some of my journalism knowledge of, of, of fancy legal terms to um, <laughs> to not flub up my lines. So. I, saw your, I saw the costume you were wearing in the preview photos that we had Emil uh, Breidenbach take, and I was wondering about the bow tie thing and the suit. You look like a lawyer. <laughs> well, good, good luck with that, Alec. And Maybe he could run for Congress. Everybody out there could certainly go. We are out of time. Um, I'm, I'm, you've been listening to Behind the Headlines on WLIWFM. I'm Bill Sutton from the Express News Group. Uh, my co-host, Annette Hinkle from the Express News Group. I want to thank our panelists this week, Denise Civiletti and Alec Lewis from Riverhead Local, and Michael Mackey from right here on WLIWFM. Thank you, guys. That was a fantastic show. Thank you.